You are listening to the Build Your Network podcast. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I'm sitting down with Jared Yellen. He is the co-founder of 10X Incubator, a non-technical tech founder who found a way to scale his original tech company with $0 invested to over 40,000 paying users from around the world and was declared a moonshot in April of 2020. I will build, scale, and sell 10,000 tech companies in 10 years. That was his moonshot. This moonshot has now been heard far and wide as some of the most influential people in the tech industry are yearning to play a role. The 10X Incubator will democratize the tech industry by creating an even playing field for all. Guys, you can imagine this is an interesting conversation for me as I am building our company, Guestio, as a non-technical tech founder. So Jared, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, man. What's up? First off, thank you for the invitation. Thank you for what you're doing. And uh, I love meeting non-technical tech founders that have the courage to execute because it's a scary world when you can't solve any of your own problems. And one of the things oh, yeah. I've learned, and you probably have seen this, is you can't outsell technology. So technology <laughs> has to at least somewhat catch up to the pitch, right? Like somewhat catch true. up to what's being sold. So uh, kudos to you for what you're doing now. I love it. And I'm here to support in any way I can. Yeah. It's either we have the courage to do it or we just are too ignorant to know otherwise, right? Yes, I mean, that's... that's, yeah, that's... Yeah. I always tell, so I actually, it's funny you bring that up. So I I used to speak at, at tons of universities and I still do to some degree to aspiring entrepreneurs. And I tell them there's two things that you're going to need to tap into if you're going to truly make it as an entrepreneur. So one is you have to be naive enough to think you can. And two, yeah. uh, you have to be able to endure pain because there will be pain. There's no way around that. There's going to be dark moments. There's going to be very uncomfortable situations. And if you can, if you can do both... And you have a great idea, there's a chance you're going to pull it off. So uh, yeah. yes, being naive definitely helps. There, there's a chance that you're going to pull it off. That's the crappy chance, part. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's still not a guarantee. A chance, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the pain is guaranteed. The success is not, right? Yes. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what you guys got going on with 10X Incubator. How'd that start? Why now? Why'd you do it? Yeah, you'll appreciate it as a, as a non-tech tech founder. So I realized early in life, I was I was unemployable. So I figured there's no reason of trying. I'm just going to be an entrepreneur. So I've had a good run over the past 17 years. But like I said, I'm a non-tech tech founder. So 10 years ago, I launched a company called Synduit. And the vision for Synduit was to democratize the marketing agency. The reason that mattered to me was I have a stepfather who at the time was a 59-year-old chiropractor. And uh, he has a small little office with, with my mom. And uh, I kept on like banging on him. I'm like, dude, you got to you got to start marketing. Like you're like the best kept secret in your town. He's like, yeah, but I'm not going to do it myself, and I can't afford an agency. I'm not going to spend five to ten thousand dollars a month. I can't even justify it because I can't onboard that many new patients. So I was thinking to myself, he's right. He's not going to do it himself. He's not going to spend ten grand a month and hire an agency. I'm going to find a way to build an agency for under fifty dollars a month, and that became my fanatical focus. And I knew I had to launch some tech product to achieve it. 
But as a non-tech tech founder, I had no idea where to begin. And I had the money to do it. So I had a previous exit, but I felt totally irresponsible throwing cash at a concept. So I figured, let me do the exact opposite of what I want. And I'm going to launch an agency. And uh, within 14 months, we had 400 clients we were working with. The agency just popped. Big team, big office, extremely cash flow positive. From anyone's standards, like we made it. But for me, it was a means to an end. I had to go after democratizing the agency. And once I built it, I figured out what I could eliminate, automate, and then the vision became clear. I was going to build the first virtual marketing department ever, which meant that I was going to build the simplest marketing software in the world and then pre-populate it with content for every major industry. So once I was clear, I did probably what what you did with this venture or previous ventures. I started interviewing software development firms all throughout the US that were highly recommended. And I hired one out of Boston and they told me it was going to take 10 months and $750,000 to build the first version. And I went all in. I was 26 years old. I was writing a check personally for between 50 to 100 grand every month, depending on the burn that month. And at 10 months, they invited me into their office. It was D-Day. It was demo day. And at the time, I was I was dating this, this woman, Lindsay, who's now my wife. And I remember that morning. I'm like, this is our moment. Like We're becoming tech founders today. So I drive out to Boston and I walk into this conference room. I'm so excited. Like This is it. Like The vision is becoming real. And they're like, Jared, we're so excited to have you. We have some good news for you. I'm like, oh, some good news. What's the other sum? So I'm like, all right, well, show me what you got. So they start giving me a demo and and listen, Travis, it looked awesome. Like it was so good. And then it abruptly ended about two minutes and 12 seconds in. And I'm like, that looks great. But like, where's everything else? Like that might be like 18% of of what I was expecting. Like, yeah, that's the some good news. The some bad news is we just completely miscalculated what it was going to take to to finish the product. No way. What's the damage? Right? So they're like, all right, we need at least another year and a half and $1.5 million. And I became a stat, right? Like that's like the dreaded statistic of the non-tech tech founder that just doesn't know what they don't know. They go in, they trust and they're excited and they, they're ambitious. And then that happens. And it was so interesting, Travis. I remember the day like it was yesterday because I should have been either mad or sad. Those are like a normal reactions. And I just, for some reason, wasn't. And I'm like, this is happening for me. It's not happening to me. Like there's something that's going to come from this. And I declared in that moment, I'm going to make the technology industry safe because that did not feel safe to me. It didn't feel safe to anyone I shared it with. I know other people had similar stories and I didn't know what I meant by it, but that was my declaration. The second thing that happened was I met somebody. So we had 35 engineers on our team at that time. One of the reasons probably why they were going over budget, just too many people. But one of them was a gentleman named Mani. And before Mani was working with me, he lived in India. And when he was in India, he started his own software development firm out of his parents' 150 square foot apartment. And three years later, um, he had 100 employees. So outside of being a strong engineer, he's a really good manager and mentor to engineers. He sold that company at the end of 2011 to move to the US in 2012 to start a family here with his wife. And when he moved to the US, he was living on the end of my street where my original office was in Englewood, New Jersey. So he could have been anywhere but there and we never would have met because when he arrived, he had no money, he had no bike and he had no car. So he had to walk to work. And literally like his apartment building's here, my office building's here. And there's this little coffee shop in between us that I never went to before. And for some reason, a random Tuesday morning, I'm like, I'm going to get a cup of coffee. So I walk into this coffee shop and I don't small talk with anyone 
ever. Like put me on a stage in front of 40,000 people with no prep and I'm fine for hours, but I'm in an elevator. I'm like looking at it on my phone. Like I just, just, that's just not how I, I'm like an introvert, extrovert, like dynamic. So I'm in the coffee shop and I never talk to people. And for some reason I start talking to the guy sitting next to me, which is Monty. And we just hit it off in the shop. I call up the software development firm in Boston. I'm like, I found my guy, hire him because of visa purposes. They had to do it and put him in my office. So I have somebody sitting with me. So they did. And it made such a difference having someone there. And what I quickly realized was I have to eliminate this firm and I need to just do this with money. It's just not working. So in 2014, he became my CTO and it gave me a chance to really do Synduit right. And we built our own team. We hired in the US, we hired in Canada, we hired uh, 12 people in India that Monty previously worked with. And as you probably know, if you could figure out India, you're in great shape. It's just yeah. so hard to figure it out unless right. you have Monty who hires his friends and his family. So it was awesome. Like the only downside was they were contractors and it's hard to retain contractors anywhere, but it's especially difficult in India because contractor income is not recognized by banks. So as a result, they can't get personal loans for anything, houses, cars. So eventually they quit when they, they want those, those basic utilities of life. So I thought to myself, we need to create a solution and we need to do it quickly. So in 2017, I set up a company in India that I own just to hire these 12 people so they can get employee status and get country benefits and all of the, the perks of, of being an employee. And it took me so much effort and so much money to actually get that company set up and I'm like, we need to do more with this. Like, let's use it as a recruiting tool. So we did. And our 12 engineers turned into 25 within 45 days. And that was my catalyst for Synduit. So today, Synduit is tens of thousands of users across 30 different industries. We private label the platform within different enterprise uh, relationships. And we did it. Like, we built the simplest marketing software in the world that's pre-populated with content for every major industry. But where the story gets really interesting is what happened in April of 2020. This, this actually answers your direct question. So in April of 2020, I woke up one day and I realized I'm officially obsolete at Synduit. And as you know, that's like every entrepreneur's dream. So I was really happy and I was thinking to myself, what's next? I mean, I'm 35 years old at the time. I have two young kids. I'm happily married with a great life because of Synduit. I'm like, what's next? And I declared for me, what was next was my moonshot. I'm going to do something that shakes up the world or I'll go down crying. And as I was thinking about my moonshot, I went back to that moment, that, that, that declaration where I'm like, I'm going to make the technology industry safe. So what I decided to do is what I did just previously with Synduit. And I was going to do it 10,000 more times by 2031. And I don't know why it was 10,000 because that's like a ridiculous number, but it's a moonshot and you can't negotiate against the moonshot. It's got to accept the moonshot. So I got my phone and I called up Mani, who was still my CTO at Synduit. And this woman, Katie, who was my director of operations. And I said, I have an idea. I'm going to do it with or without both of you, but I can't imagine not having you be part of this. Let's build, scale, and sell 10,000 tech companies over the next 10 years. Are you in? And their exact words, Travis, were, we're in because it's you. We have no clue what you're talking about. So I'm like, okay, let me explain. We're going to launch a tech incubator, but this is not going to be like every other incubator or accelerator where we invest a little bit of money and then provide mentorship in a classroom for three to six months. That's great. That's just not what we're going to do. What we're going to do is have entrepreneurs come to us with their tech ideas ideas that are on like a napkin, like, like a concept or a minimum viable tech product they put a little bit of money into, or even a cash flowing tech company that's plateaued and they want to accelerate and they're going to pitch us. And when they pitch us, there's four things we look for. The right person with the right idea in the right market 
and the right business model. And when all four of those things are validated, we co-found the company with the entrepreneur. We both take equity in the company. So our values are completely aligned. We build the entire company at cost. Software development, go-to-market, sales, customer support, legal, fundraising, financing, bookkeeping, everything. And about 99% of that initial cost is at cost in India in a company that I've owned since 2017. So the risk is exceptionally low and the cost is low. So in, in June of 2020, we opened up the portfolio. And since then, we've had over 14,000 people from around the world submit their tech ideas. About 600 of them had a chance to actually pitch us their idea after the written application. We've said yes to over 120. So we've had over 120 companies in our first year, which is really more remarkable than 10,000 in 10 years, because that was our year to figure it out. Like, how do you do bookkeeping at scale? How do you do product at scale? How do you do go to market at scale? How do you do dev at scale? We figured it out. We have blueprints for every division of the company. And now the funnel's open. Like, you got a tech idea, we want to support you and bring it to life. What type of equity deals are you guys looking to do most of the time? I assume it obviously depends on stage and, and yeah. uh, different benchmarks, but at what range? It depends on stage, really. So there's three buckets that we have. So one bucket is they're coming with a napkin, right? So it's so conceptual that most likely what they're even presenting us with is not going to be what we actually end up building because we're sure. going to get like, granular with it. They have no company set up. It's like completely conceptual. So they own one third of the company. I own a third of the company. Then Grant Cardone is an investor and partner in this as well. And he owns a third. The idea co-founder, they are the manager. So they make all decisions. The only decision they can't make mm-hmm. is they can't sell the company without us. We get the deal funded. We get it built. We bring it to the market. It's literally a dream for, for the concept co-founder. The next bucket is somebody comes with a minimum viable product. Usually they'll invest in 10 grand to about 100 grand into it. They're not cash flowing yet. It's still pretty much a concept, but we want to honor them for the courage to even do what they did. So in those scenarios, sometimes there's a little bit of wiggle room, but usually they're 50-50 deals. Whatever money they invested, we make it a capital contribution. So they get paid back first once there is distribution. And then we get whatever funding is needed. We bring it to market and scale it and go for the exit. The third bucket is somebody comes with a cash flowing company. Usually it's a few hundred thousand dollars a year up to about probably five million at the max of what we'll see. We have them give us an offer. So if we decide it's the right person, the right idea and the right market and the right business model, so we're convinced we want to do it, we give them one shot. They give them one shot to give us an offer because we have no time to negotiate. I'm a yes because I'm not an equity grabber. So I don't care what they come back with. I have to then convince my team that it's a good deal and it's worth the opportunity cost of actually doing it. And if they say yes, we're yes. And if they say no, they can't come back with another offer because we don't want to do the dance. And I'll give you a good story. So we had this young entrepreneur come to us with a pretty cool idea, doing about 300 grand a year on, on, in his second year. So making like a little bit of money. And I said to him, like, listen, we're yes, just be fair with the offer. Like, don't lowball. Like, this, is not a, this is not a negotiation. Like, we're looking to do a partnership. And he came back with a re- literally a ridiculous offer. So I'm like, are you sure that's the offer? He's like, yes. So I told the team, like, Jared, what are you, what are you even showing us? It's, like a, it's, it's ridiculous. So I went back and I said, no. And literally on the spot, he 10X his offer. And I'm like, I'm going to teach you a valuable lesson right now. When I tell you not to negotiate, don't negotiate. Because if that's who you are today, that's who you're going to be later. And we just don't want to partner. So we just we just separated ways. So that's how we set up. 10X the offer? Like X, it was like, oh, probably almost 100X. It was like fractional, fractional nothing with oh, all no. these expectations. And they like came back to like an offer where it was almost 50-50 in the end. And, but I'm like, why not just start there? If you're willing to do that, why not just, like, we're looking to partner here. And like you have a journey of a million miles. And we bring a lot of infrastructure, right? Like we have hundreds of employees now. 
Uh, everybody's an employee. There are no contractors here. Our India company has exploded, obviously, in, in correlation with the fact we have so many companies in the portfolio. We're now acquiring existing software development shops in India just to scale the team faster. We're opening up other countries as well to get talent in other countries to keep costs like really controlled. Our product team has like decades of experience. Our chief product officer has over 25 years of experience. He built an entire team of people that have more experience than him. We have an incredible go-to-market team, a biz dev team. When products are ready, we bring them to the, the Grant Cardone ecosystem so he can promote them. So like, I can't say we're guaranteeing the outcome, but sure. we really are creating predictability around build, scale, and sell for each of these entrepreneurs. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over one hundred and forty million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Is there a, a particular company type, industry type, sector that you like to work with? So great question. So for the most part, it's, it's software-based. We have we have one hardware product and the co-founders has a lot of experience on the hardware side, but they need the software component that they have no experience gotcha, on. Gotcha. We're not against the hardware, but this requires a, a unique co-founder. But besides that, we are everywhere. So SaaS-based, marketplace, social platforms. I personally love industry technology. So we are building a, a really cool product uh, for public adjusters right now. Really cool mm -hmm. called Claim Guru. It launches like a 30-ish days. It's a really big build because when you build industry technology, it's hard to come out with like a 90-day version because there's always something else in the industry. So like you have to at least come out with what they have with a better user interface or something. So that's really cool. We're doing some cool stuff with PropTech, doing some interesting things with NFTs. So it's really diverse. And, and one of the things that we've been able to do is attract extraordinary talent when we have more of these like niche needs. And that was one of the reasons why we started interviewing dev shops that already have 
maturity and infrastructure. And they're kind of like actually further along than we are even from a, from a dev shop perspective. But what they struggle with is biz dev. Like they just can't get deal flow. And, yeah. and we have no issue with deal flow. So that's where we started to form these strategic alliances with the intention to acquire them and then just bring them into our ecosystem in its entirety. How did the deal with uh, Cardone come about? It's really a cool story. So one of the things that I have done a really good job of is getting attention. And I kind of reverse engineered this recently. And I realized there was three things that I did very consistently since launching the incubator. So the first was I declared a moonshot. Build, scale, sell 10,000 tech companies over the next 10 years. The second thing I did was I took what I call maniac action, which means that you take, if anyone's watching, they think that you're crazy and onto something because you're taking so much action so quickly. And the third thing is you just talk about what you're doing a ton as if it's already happened. So I just have a lot of attention. I'm not saying that from like an arrogance perspective, there's just like a lot of attention from billionaires, from Silicon Valley, from venture capital and private equity, celebrities, athletes, like just really just extraordinary people. And one of those people was Grant Cardone. And he heard about what I was doing. And he's like, this dude is crazy or he's onto something. But I, at the very least, I got to meet him. So they invited me to come to his office about nine months ago. I didn't know him personally at all at the time. I knew him the way that, that 15 million people on social knew him. And I was really looking to get to know him. I, I had no intention of a deal. It wasn't even on my mind. I was just like, yeah, cool. Love to meet. Like, Let's see what could happen. And we just hit it off. We ended up speaking for four hours that first day. And uh, our values were aligned. Our desire to create an even playing field was aligned. And about an hour into the meeting, Travis, he said to me, uh, Jared, that chair you're sitting in right there, my sales team sells that share uh, for $100,000 an hour. And, and people will make the investment. And then I put it in my foundation. He's a foundation to help kids that don't have a dad, like a father figure, because that, that was his life. And once they make the investment, they can come out to the office. And it's their hour. We can eat lunch together. They can pitch me. They can ask me for advice. And here's what I know to be true. You didn't spend $100,000 sitting in that chair because I invited you here. And you're also not asking me for anything. So I'm going to ask you for something. And he stood up. So I just like stood up and being like socially appropriate. He put his hand out. He said, I want to support you. I want to invest in what you're doing. I want to get behind these companies and help blow them up. So that was it. On the spot, I shook his hand. He made the investment into the incubator. We ended up kind of changing the brand just to, to represent 10X and, and what he's doing in the world. And it's been a fun partnership. This is, this is like a new world for him in tech, right? Like this is something that he has really not delved into at all. So as a result, he's like, you just do whatever you need to do. And whenever you need me, you just tap me. So where he comes in as a real valuable asset to the companies that are, that are part of the incubator that he's involved with is when they're ready. Because yeah. I mean, you know, tech, right? Like, like one of the worst things you can do on day zero is just go out of the gate to strike it. Like, yeah. So like, like think about Clubhouse. Like everybody's like, Clubhouse is the most brilliant launch ever. Yes. And they had to control the influx of users because launching a social audio platform that's free during COVID, that's going to give you proximity to people you have no proximity to was just a home run. Like it was a home run. And if they would have just opened up the gates from day zero, they would have imploded. They didn't raise enough money to handle the load. So instead they're like, let's create this, this almost like scarcity mentality where there's just invitations. You have to get invitations. It was a brilliant marketing move, but it wasn't a marketing move. It was a scaling strategy. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, once they were able to attract like real dollars, like real investor dollars, they open up Android, they open up the floodgates and people start that pouring on in. So like someone like Grant that has such influence when the, when the company's right, cause he can't just promote anything, but the, when the company is right, you want to make sure that the, the platform itself is ready. And when it's ready, he can then do what he does and put, bring a lot of attention to it, but we don't just rely on him. It's all about relationship capital. And you know, this, like that's, that's what your, your platform does is, is, is it helps people build relationships. Because if you look at any tech company or company, it's had an IPO or a bid exit when they're interviewed and they're asked like, how did you do it? 
none of them will ever say, oh, I ran a lot of Facebook ads. Like that's just not how they did it. Like, like they leveraged relationships. Yeah. They did enterprise level kind of like salesmanship and saleswomanship. Like that's how they got to where they got to. So what's interesting for me with Sinduit, we have tens of thousands of users and I've never spent $1 running an ad on Facebook because I don't like Mark Zuckerberg. And I'm like, I'm not paying that dude. So instead <laughs> I just focus on building relationships, building win-win outcomes, helping people get what they want faster. And in the process, I get what I want faster as well. So that's what we actually embed into the strategy for every one of our companies. We'll still do like the me too stuff. Like, like you go to a networking event and someone's like, how are you building your business? You're like, oh, Facebook ads and SEO. Like, well, yeah, we do that too. But you can't rely on me too. Everybody's doing that. Like, it's just, it's such a competitive space. You got to think outside the box and relationship capital, we call it human ingenuity. That's the path of least resistance because there's never competition in that space. It's all about building rapport quickly and building win-win outcomes. So can you give us an example, maybe more down-to-earth example of what that means to market without marketing, without spending dollars on ads to be able to get to tens of thousands of customers using like, and these aren't just customers, right? Like these aren't just people who bought a mug from your online store. Like these are like software users are real customers who like you have to promote user adoption. They have to get into the software. They have to click buttons, move around, use it. it has to become part of their workflow. That's a difficult task. You manage it without spending any dollars on ads. How? Well, give give us yeah. give us an example. I'll give you a great story. Someone that actually you should interview. So if you want a connection, I'll introduce you to him as well. Exactly. So uh, Sinduit is an industry-specific marketing platform, which means we produce content for specific industries, and then we sell into that industry. So one of those industries that we wanted to sell into was functional medicine. It's a booming industry. It's integrative medicine. It's it's getting people off medication and instead eating healthy diets and supplementations, etc. So we produced all this content. And I now needed to find a way to get people to start paying for this platform. So I started doing research. I'm like, who are the movers and shakers in the industry? Who has an audience of people they could influence? And I look into management consulting firms across the functional medicine industry, like business coaches to functional medicine practitioners. And I found this guy who wrote many multiple best-selling books. Um, his name is Dr. Peter Osborne. He'd be great for your show. And uh, he talks about the paleo lifestyle and he has this high-end coaching program for functional medicine practitioners. He's in this mission to make functional medicine practitioners the first step instead of the last stop on someone's healthcare journey. Because if they're the first stop, they can help eliminate a lot of the disease that people experience. So I reach out to him, cold outbound email, but I speak into what I know matters to him. And he responds immediately because I love to talk to you. And then I show him a demo of the software. He's like, dude, I want to bring this to market. Like, this is amazing. So I was like, cool, let's do it. So there's a webinar with me. And uh, on that webinar, it wasn't that big. I think we had 100 doctors on it. We had 40 doctors pay for the year. So we made $40,000 on the webinar. I paid him a small affiliate commission, but more than what happened on that webinar, there was one member of the audience whose name is Dr. Sachin Patel, who's the one that you should be interviewing. And he runs a mega group of functional medicine practitioners, like hundreds and hundreds of practitioners that follow his protocols, his business philosophies. And he's like, this technology is amazing. So what he saw within the technology was the ability to take the campaigns, the marketing campaigns that he already built that he gives to his clients that they have to then go take and install an Infusionsoft or ClickFunnels or MailChimp. And he messaged me, he goes, can you just pre-install it into your software? And I was like, yeah, that's what our software does. Like we can pre-install content and somebody presses one button and it's replicated 
automated and personalized. And he's like, that's amazing. Let's talk. So we started talking and I realized for him, he cares a ton about his brand. So I said, what if we call this the Living Proof Institute marketing system powered by Synduit? Let's do a webinar together. And that led to ownership. He's like, yes, this is like my marketing system just powered by your technology. So we do a webinar with him and we did a million dollars in one day. And it was, it was because he had the influence over the audience that I wanted access to. It's a really important lesson for everybody. There is someone that has access to the keys to the kingdom that you want to get into. There's someone. And you can either circumnavigate them, which is really expensive and really time consuming, most likely you're going to run out of money, or you find a way to produce a win-win outcome. But the only way you can do that is if you fully understand what matters to them. If you understand what matters to them, you can find a way to build yourself into what matters to them. It is radical acceleration. So those stories is literally how I built Synduit, just across every industry that we're in. And it's how we do this with our portfolio companies as well. They identify who is the keys to their kingdom. And we find a way to partner with them versus going around them, which just takes too long. Gold, man. Gold. I love it. Um, this is Build Your Network Podcast. We talk a lot about relationships, talk a lot about networking. And so that's perfect, uh, a perfect thing to talk about because it's really... There's like an entire segment, you know what I mean? And people might call it business development, but... Essentially, it's relationship marketing. It's association marketing. It's just another form of getting your message in front of the people who need to hear it the most. And uh, those relationships can turn out to be extremely powerful and uh, a lot of times pretty cheap (laughs) uh, comparatively to the amount of money that you can bring in. And more fun, right? Like, like who wants to pay Mark Zuckerberg? Like, come on. Like true. no one, like Not no that one means. likes that dude. Like, <laughs> like they just, you can't like that guy. But like when you have someone that like you respect, like that you enjoy, that you can like get on a Zoom session with and plan and collaborate, like it's just more fun. And, it, and it's yeah. just, it, it's, I'd rather write a, an affiliate check for 20, 30, 40, 50% of performance mm-hmm. versus putting money onto Facebook, hoping that we're going to get performance, right? Like yeah, there's, a, there's a huge difference between collecting money first and paying it out versus first paying it out and hoping you're going to collect it in return. Right, right. Well, listen, man, this has been a lot of fun for me. I know that you got some other things going on and, and so do I. So before we jump off here, where can people get a hold of you? If somebody's sitting on an idea, somebody's got a napkin idea, somebody's got an MVP, somebody's got a built out product, uh, what's the next steps? Yeah, so I, I want to invite everybody to do this because it's a fun exercise. Go to pitch, P-I-T-C-H, the number 10, x.com pitch 10x.com takes about 15 minutes fill out the written application it's completely free our idea review committee will go through your application if we see potential we're going to invite you on to our daily show it's called 10x tech tank it's like shark tank but it's cooler because it's all tech ideas and it's from entrepreneurs literally around the world so pitch 10x.com i can't wait to see your big idea pitch10x.com. Be sure to head over there. Send in your pitch. You never know. You might be working with Jared and Grant by the end of the year. So Jared, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. This is a lot of fun. Awesome, Travis. You rock, bro. Appreciate you as well. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.